Are you ready, Ma? I am. Are you ready, Christine? I am. Let's go. Let's go to Argentina. Hola. Mm. Johnny Farrell goes to work for Balin. I called him Balin. Balin. <laughs> Balin. The proprietor of an illegal gambling casino in Argentina. And quickly rises to be Munson's main man. All is well until Munson returns from a trip with his new bride. Va, 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 voom, Gilda. What could go wrong? All right. The particulars. Gilda had its uh, American premiere on March 14th, 1946, and it was released wide in the United States on April 25th, 1946. The producer, Virginia Van Up, she was an American. She was a child actress, film editor, script reader, casting director, agent, film producer, and screenwriter. Wow. She also uh, produced The Pursuit of Happiness, Cover Girl, and Cafe Society. Nerd Alert, she was one of three women film producers in Hollywood at this time. Mm -hmm. Joan Harrison, who worked with Alfred Hitchcock, and Harriet Parsons were the other two. The New York Times in 1945 said, quote, Miss Van Upp's new birth, B-E-R-T-H, is considered to be the most important position yet for a woman at a major studio. She will have the overall supervision and preparation and actual filming of 12 to 14 top budget pictures to be made by Columbia during the year. Working under her will be several, several associate producers, all men. So she was like running a, basically running a studio. Mm -hmm. Wow. That uh, changed my MVP. So good job, Virginia. Um, The director is Charles Vidor. He's a Hungarian film director. No relation to King Vidor, who we've done a few of his movies Mm -hmm. before. So Charles also directed Cover Girl, The Joker is Wild, and A Farewell to Arms. Screenplay by Joe Eisensinger, who did Night in the City, The Sleeping City, Crime of Passion, Marion Marion Personette, I'm butchering these names today, guys, it's going to be one of those podcasts, did Cover Girl, My Forbidden Past, and Run for the Hills, Ben Hecht was uncredited, he, you know his name because he wrote the play The Front Page, which became His Girl Friday, he also wrote Notorious, Spellbound, uncredited on 1937's A Star is Born, The Shop Around the Corner. He won the first Oscar for Best Story in 1927, Underworld. And he is currently being played by Jeff Harms in the film Mank, which has been nominated for an Academy Awards and is on Netflix. Correct. The story is by E.A. Ellington, who also did play House 90, and Irish Eyes Are Smiling. The music is by M.W. Stoloff, who also did Cover Girl, the Al Jolson story, Song Without an End. He also worked with Sammy Davis Jr., Dinah Shore, and Frank Sinatra. And Marlon Skiles also worked on the music. 
He also did She Wouldn't Say Yes, Ooh. Wagons West, and My Gun is Quick. <laughs> what an unfortunate title. Yeah. I mean, two of the three are really problematic. The director of photography is Rudolph Mate, who also shot Pride of the Yankees, Cover Girl, and Down to Earth, to name a few. Editor is Charles Nelson, who also cut Picnic, A Song to Remember, and Cat Blue, which tied into our last movie, because Cat Blue started young Jane Fonda. Starring Marguerite Carmen Casino, a.k.a. Rita Hayworth, as Gilda. She was also, well, she was known as the love goddess. So there's a little name to follow you around. <laughs> she was a top pinup for GIs in mm-hmm. World War II. She was also in Only Angels Have Wings, The Lady from Shanghai, and Pal Joey, to name a few. Glenn Ford as Johnny Farrell. He was a, quote, ordinary man. He always played, he specialized in ordinary men in unusual circumstances. And this was his first post-war film. He was also in The Big Heat, Blackboard Jungle, and 310 to Yuma. We have Charles McCready as Ballin Mundinson or Fallon. <laughs> I like Ballin, though. I like Ballin better. I think he's going to be Ballin on this podcast. <laughs> he was also in Paths of Glory, Seven Days in May, and Tora Tora Tora. We have Joseph... Kayela as Detective Maurice Obergon. He was of Maltese descent, and Malta is an island that is south of Sicily. He's, um, but he was an American. He was just born there. He also was in Five Came Back, Algiers, and Touch of Evil. Steve Garay as Uncle Pio. He's a Hungarian born American. Nerd Alert. He was, he had a Paris cabaret act where he did impressions of Hitler and Mussolini and their governments were like, my man, no, ixnay on your impressions, nay. <laughs> and he was told to stop and he didn't stop and he got the shit kicked out of him. Oh. And so and he saw the writing on the wall and that's when he moved to Hollywood and he was also in Spellbound, All About Eve, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and he was uncredited in To Catch a Thief. Oh. I, I like how he's like, uh, noted, I am out of here. <laughs> this is, guys, this is getting, it's heating up here. We have Ludwig Donneth as Wikipedia just labeled him as German, but I think he was the little man. The little tiny dude. Yeah. yeah. The mustache. He's an Austrian actor of Jewish descent. And he was in a ton of movies, um, among them Torn Curtain, which we've done. And we have George J. Lewis as Huerta. He's a Mexican-born actor. He was also in Zorro's Black Whip, Ghost of Zorro, and he was uncredited in The Bad and the Beautiful. Zorro's Black Whip? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. Oh, what fun we could have. She wouldn't say yes. <laughs> Jeez. Well, we start with a game of craps. And a dude won, and another dude tries to rob him, and a gentleman saves him. 
with a special cane. His little friend. His little friend has a knife in it, um, like a bayonet, only the bayonet is hidden in the cane. Um, then we meet Munson and Farrell. And they get to know each other, and they go to his casino. Well, because because Farrell was the guy that won in the dice, and then he was getting robbed, and Munson is the one with the knife cane that saves him. Yes. Didn't I kind of say that? Well, you were just like dudes, and then there are dudes, and then we meet <laughs> Munson and well, Farrell. Well, because we don't know in the beginning. We don't know who's who. Oh, I'm supposed to go back and edit Oh, okay. So happy. I just wanted to clarify it for the the people listening who aren't going to watch this movie, and they're like, "Dude and dude," and then just to tie it in. I don't know. You might want to watch it. And and so uh, Farrell is in the casino restroom, and there's like a a uh, an attendant, mm-hmm. and um, he's there, and he is. Um, he's a philosophical attendant. Mm-hmm. He waxes poetic. And um, then um, Farrell looks out, is leaving the restroom, sees a va-va-va-voom woman and says, whoa, who is she? And um, Uncle Pio, we find out, is mm-hmm. the, the, the attendant. You know, I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. edited right there. And and Uncle Pio goes, oh, she's a harpy. And Farrell goes, well, wh- what do you say about me? And he goes, oh, you're a peasant. <laughs> because he gave him a very small tip. So and now you just smell it off him. Uncle Pio has been around the block. He knows how the world works. And he can smell a peasant from a non-peasant. At this point, he's already been beaten up, correct? Who? Uncle Pio. I mean, in real life, the dude who played him. Oh, yeah, because this is after the war. So now we're in the casino. Everybody? Mm -hmm. The casino vibes. There is a roulette table. And a little tiny guy says, put... uh, Oh, and there's a... uh, um, Not yet. And there's a 21 table. And at the 21 table, Farrell is playing and he's saying, um, cut, because as the, is it a croupier? Is the dealer? The dealer? Yeah, the dealer. He's a dealer. I don't know what a croupier is. Well, I'll look it up while I'm talking. So I think the croupier might be on the roulette wheel. Oh. Don't know. Um, And so the, because the dealer is shuffling the cards. Go ahead. Did either of you watch In and of Itself on Hulu? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. I highly recommend it. Don't look up what it is. Just watch it. But, okay, I can't say anything. But, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. But it's it's really good. It's on Hulu. Okay. So just watch it. Don't, uh, don't read what it is or anything. I'm assuming it has something to do with the casino or gambling or something. Um, or it could just be airing. Pulling something out of her. Out of my butt. Um, okay, so the player is allowed to say cut anytime the dealer is shuffling the cards so that he kind of has, so the dealer isn't able to do the dealer stuff, which is let somebody win for a while and then stop them. But so Glenn Ford, Farrell, 
is able to shuffle, and it's obvious he's good with cards because he does a whole lot of really good shuffling. And he cuts, and he wins twice. And you, he's manipulating the cards. And so he, after the second time, a new dealer comes, and Farrell goes, as usual, I made my own luck and knew just when to stop. And they go, the boss wants to see you. Because we we already know from the audience watching this that when he when Farrell won the dice game at the docks, it was because he was using his own dice and they were loaded. So that's why he could win. And Balin had clocked him and was like, yeah, you make your own luck, but you're using your own dice. And so then he tells him about this casino in Buenos Aires and he goes in. And so then you're like, oh, this guy Farrell knows multiple ways to get around, but they detect him. And that's, that's when they, he tries to go out walking out with his winnings and the two men are like, my man, big boss wants to see you. So he goes up to the big boss's office. Balin is there and he goes, ah, the little man with the sharp friend. So Balin goes, I own the joint and I don't like to be cheated. Get out and don't come back. And that's when Farrell pulls his biggest con of all. Well, you need me on your side because I can go around and see who's cheating and I can keep the cheaters from being here. Pretty much what happened, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Selling himself on a new job. He explains how he'll work for Munson. Well, next scene, there is an end of war celebration. At this point, Johnny Farrell has been put in charge of the casino while Munson goes on da, 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 the trip. So well, he goes on. So so also at this time in Buenos Aires, uh, gambling is illegal. So this is like an underground illegal sort of establishment that's going on there. The war that has ended is World War Two. And may I say the ballin. Looks like he was a part, a big part of the war on the other side. I had to go into, because I had to put in my notes. At this point, I'm going, is this a Nazi a club? Because I, I, that's been stuck in my head. And then I had to do some research and I found out why I had the, when I heard Argentina saw a German instantly in the 40s, thought it was Nazis. There's a reason behind it. Okay, well, I'm going with he's a Nazi. Big old, big old um, scar on his face. Oh, mm-hmm. did I forget to mention that in, in Nerd Alert? We have oh, Nerd maybe. Alert. Oh, no, it's in my Tasty Nuggets. Okay. okay. I know. Keep. Yep. Okay, so um, Munson's trip is really fast because the next scene... <laughs> Just saw Adam wheeling the bike through. Um... Munson is back, just got back, didn't know what he was walking into. That's quite a surprise. And he meets Gilda. Do we know where Munson went on his trip? It might have been mentioned, but I don't I didn't write it down. I didn't pick it up. Um. And they lock eyes, so you can. T- but but did he, to, did he go to New York? Isn't that where she's from? She's American. Yeah, he I don't. New York City at one point. So maybe he went there. Well, he picked her up somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it had to be. I I have questions later about this whole pickup thing. Well, does she make an entrance or what? Iconic. And you've seen it. You have to have seen it. The the huge head of auburn yeah. hair. Um, but it was a va 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 voom moment. And it was what that was what. So this this movie it came out in 1946, and they they pushed it back because it. It finished filming in the late 1945s, but they pushed it back because Rita Hayworth was such a pinup to the GIs that they were like, hey guys, hold this movie, hold this movie. Yeah, when, they are, get back. when are all the men coming back? When are all the men coming back? All right, they'll be back. It's kind of like how the COVID test is like, all right, when are they? Go- oh, okay, they should all be back by April. That's when we'll release it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Mrs. Ballin is introduced to Johnny Farrell and they act like they haven't met before, but their eyes are saying differently. And it has already been alluded to that some some Jezebel broke Johnny Farrell's heart. And that's kind of why he ended up in Buenos Aires. And this is a very young John Ford, and he does look really innocent for as much of a um, playa as he is with the uh, cheating and on gambling. Glenn Ford. You said John Ford. Did I? I'm sorry. I meant Glenn. Um, And Mrs. Ballin, he wants her to dress up and look nice for dinner. And she goes, I'll look my very best. Balin, I want all the hired help to approve of me. While she's looking at Johnny, this person she has a past with, like, ha ha ha, I'm above you. Um, and then, but she calls him the wrong name, and she says, "I'm so sorry, Johnny is such a hard name to remember and so easy to forget." Burn. There were a lot of good quotes. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, Balin goes, uh, for some reason, she didn't like you, Johnny. <laughs> so um, Balin is saying how it was a quick marriage. And they're saying all three of us with no past. But everybody knows they have a past. I wanted to go back up in that room and hit her. That's what Johnny said. I wanted to go back up in the room and hit it. But he goes into the casino. He's at the roulette wheel. And there's a little tiny dude, and he uh, says two black, and it hits two black, and he walks away. And so Johnny's going, was there a payoff going on there? Because that was a little too easy. Well, Johnny and Gilda and Ballin have dinner, and they toast to the three of us. It's a her because it looks like one, but... I wonder what they were talking about. He's talking because now it's the three of them, and the third has been because it it was Ballin, Johnny, and Johnny and Ballin's little friend, the knife cane, and that was what oh. they toasted to the three of them. But now they toast to the three Thank of them, you. and so there, there's this whole play on how like oh now it's Gilda, but. It was the little, what about the little friend? And it is somewhat homoerotic vibes going on. Yeah, their whole relationship was. Wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. I was a little bit confused at times as to what was going on. I'm not going to lie. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why. Now we will get to that. 
Oh, okay. So they, they are calling the knife cane a herb because it looks like one thing, but in front of your eyes, it becomes something else. But I'm like, it's a knife cane. Just in its very action, it's very masculine. It's yeah. a blade that pops out of a cane. Like, how much more phallic can you get? Um... Well, let's hate her. Balin is at this point realizing there's something between. If he hasn't figured it out on that first look, then Balin is a little bit learning different. Okay. Um, so then Balin has to go deal with something in the casino, and Gilda and Johnny are alone. And Johnny's going, You don't love him. And then. Um, Two messenger boys come in. Very Nazi vibes. Uh, like you just look at them and you're like, they're German. Yes. And uh, Balin says he's in trouble. Go get my wife. And so then they're back together to, to finish the toast. They didn't get to toast before. So Balin says, let's toast Disaster to the wench who did wrong to our Johnny. And so if they're toasting Gilda, who did wrong to their Johnny, and she's quite superstitious, so for her to go with that toast is kind of hard. And then Balin goes, you knew him before. And she goes, I don't think I've ever known him. <laughs> if you're worried about Johnny Farrell, don't. I hate him. So Balin goes, hate is the only thing that ever warmed me. Yikes. Said the totally Nazi in 1940s. Yeah. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, now the little dude comes back and bets two black again. But the croupier, I say croupier because I'm thinking he is the roulette dude. Um, wouldn't take his bet. And he's like, what? You you always take my bet. Then Johnny goes into the restroom where Uncle Pio, Pio, Pio. Pio is there philosophizing more. And uh, that's where I stop. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. So there's so much more to happen. Oh, it is. It's it's a good movie. It's a class. If you it, you have to watch it if you like classic American films because this is Gilda and this is Rita Hayworth. So it's one of the iconic performances. It's black and white. The when they're filming in the casino, all the glitter and the glam and the that is just so fun to watch for me. So now we are doing uh, people of color. Okay. I had three characters of Hispanic descent, and I looked up and found out that Hispanic refers to people, land, language, and culture of Spain. So it gets used erroneously. It certainly does. Because that's like basically that you're talking about their colonialism of Spain because Spain colonized a lot of parts right. of South and Central America. True. So you're talking you're referring to their colonizers if you're lumping that group of people as Hispanic. Oh wow that's so wrong. And I thought it was but I thought the 
the uh, people of color count was uh, problematic in this because this whole film takes place in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Right. And okay. Yeah. For there to only be like what I would think of three identifiable like and then it goes right into our next category which is power of cast right i that's what part of why i was so confused of what was going on because it just i thought we were in america you know right right i think very similar to casablanca yeah although casablanca went out into the country more and so there was definitely an otherness of the local people there but this was just straight up well when you look at it most of it takes place in the casino Mm -hmm. the casino is owned by you know a nazi so and a lot of them were in buenos aires so they were all going to this place where they felt comfortable with their own people yeah, that doesn't make sense because it did take place in this one area instead of mm-hmm. in this one inside place. It's not like they were out in the streets. Right. And in Nerd Alerts, I have some history of Argentina because I had to look it up. Oh, I was very good. curious. Yeah, because um, the Nazis were not a forgiving people with uh, people who were a little different. So they probably didn't want many in their casino. But see, that that's it. Well, we'll get into it later. I don't think that it was a Nazi casino. I think that this guy was German. And so he probably did have affiliations with the Nazis just because in his working and stuff. But this wasn't like uh, this wasn't like how in Casablanca, the Nazis are with the armbands and stuff are coming in. Right. Right. It's like you have to kind of know a little bit of history and read in between the lines to be like, okay, they're probably just not saying it. And they're being very neutral because Argentina was neutral in the Second World War. (laughs) Tommy or Matt. That was Mac. Okay, so let's go to the power of cast. Okay, does anyone want to go first? I'm just I'm just doing the um, for women to get ahead. They kind of had to have a man with power and money and influence. Yeah. I think there's a lot. I, I have it as my MVP. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Uh, LVP. Because <laughs> um, you sure didn't marry one. Uh, an LVP of just like the way that they portrayed. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't buy a lot of the naivety that they like ended up giving Gilda in the end. Yeah. yeah like at they- first I was like, oh, damn, she's like. She's like She's owning her she was like, it. Yeah. sexiness, whatever. And then she was like completely gullible in the end. It was like, oh, I never would trust a man again. And here I am. And yeah, I was like, there's no way that this woman would do that. Right. Yeah, because at the beginning, that was kind of my question that I never really understood where she was from and where Ballin went. Because the way I read it was that Gilda was the one that broke... Um, well, something went on between Johnny Farrell and Gilda, obviously. And in Johnny Farrell's mind, Gilda broke her heart. We don't really know if that's really what went down. Well, I think he did something to fuck up and he didn't right. realize it was bad. And so she dumped his ass. Yeah. So then in order for her, because she swore like revenge and stuff. 
and she just happens to marry Ballin. Like, there's a lot behind the scenes where I'm like, no, she, it sounds like she, like, you're going to tell me it's just a coincidence that she just turns up. Because when she does her little whoop-dee-doo, oh, here I am. I'm like, this is a woman who has been playing the long con Mm -hmm. and look how, look at this revenge thing that she has found her way in. And then like Teeny says at the end, it's just all of that agency and that conniving that we didn't see that was off screen then happened. So I thought it was just really weird, odd storytelling to me. Also, I thought it was kind of weird that a man choreographed her striptease in the end. Mm. Yes, but was it a man like like in the vein of like a drag? Like, oh, his gender was male at that time? But well, really, I don't know. It was 1946, it. so I'm not thinking that they were hiring like a drag queen to do it. Right. But, but no, he but no I don't know. Yeah, I didn't research it that much. Like, maybe he was of the time, like he was a man living the man life. But if he was yes. now in 2021, he would have been just on RuPaul's Drag Race killing it. But probably Possibly. not because it was 1946. So. Yes, I guess that was where my, my mind was. Yeah. I have um, that how Re- Rita Hayworth... So basically her whole transformation and how she became a star is just it encapsulates the power of cast. Yeah, she was Mm -hmm. she was originally she was born from Brooklyn. Her mother is of Irish descent. Her father is of Spanish descent. So she is Hispanic in the proper use of the term. And she was a bit on the husky side, considered. But when you see her, it's just like, she just looks like a beautiful woman. But she was considered to be very overweight. Yeah, when she was first dancing and starting out. So um, what was that podcast we listened to? Because Hollywood Party. Yeah, Hollywood Party. There's a Rita Hayworth episode. It is fantastic. Trigger, Trigger warning. Her life was not a bed of roses. Um, her father it was a bed, but not of roses. Disgusting things to her. Oh, um, she got away from him by going with this other guy who was um, a horrible man as well, but had a vision for her. And as a result of that, she had her molars removed because her cheeks were too big. So that made her have cheekbones. He's the one that got her the electrolysis. In the 19, like, I think this was the late 30s. Well, it had to have, hurt. It had to have been painful. But then you look at her hairline and it, it's just like, wow, that is a hell of a great hairline. But then you look at her other hairline and it completely, it's a great hairline because we've been gaslit to be like, that's a beautiful hairline. Right. And that's right. the part of, that's power of cash right there because right. it's uh, This is the epitome of what your hairline should look like if you want to be gorgeous. Right. So she has the electrolysis to raise her hairline because her original hairline was too European. It was um, probably very uh, Teresa Judice from The Real House. Well, you can see it. There are pictures. There are yeah. pictures of her hairline. You know, it's, it's just very, um, it doesn't read classic American. That's what, and so she had, they had, they fixed that. Then she took the last name of her Irish mother and it was not to make her just more 
European because last time I checked, Spain is part of Europe, but it's to make her more British American or Northern European American, which is what people consider to be, quote, classic American. So that's just that's the power of cast. It's it's she had all of those changes done to her to make her um you know more identifiably white mm-hmm. and then we already talked about how the um argentina is the location for the film but yeah like, everyone's american german french it's weird how they all have something in common all those characters it's funny. So that goes into the power of cats because that's what the cat system is, is that there's white and there's everything else. And if you can do something to change your appearance to read that it's more classic American, then your life will be different. Yes. And this is one of those films, like so many other films that we've done, that is the United States Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And so, you know, when we do these power of caste and the people of color, who are we always never saying is in any of these? It's never, like, we're never, how many times have we done a movie where there's been an Asian American? Mm-hmm. Right. Bruce Lee, Asian American woman, I don't even remember one. We do like black people and they're always playing porters and the people in the background. Mm -hmm. People of um, Latinx, you know, Spanish speaking, American. We don't even have really that because if you're light enough, then you would just they would automatically pass over into the category of white, Mm -hmm. just like Rita Hayworth. So that's just white right there. And in all of these movies that we look back on, it's always putting these like this is historically significant. And this is like the history that people go back in and they look and they see. And so it, in doing so, it also shows who's not important and who we can therefore use as scapegoats for when things get super messed up. So it shouldn't be all that much of a surprise to see the way that black people are treated the way that Spanish-speaking citizens who are darker-skinned are treated, and certainly the way that Asian-Americans are treated, especially in this country. Because it's not like if you're an Asian-American youth and you're watching classic cinema that there's ever been a depiction where you matter in this country's culturally significant films. Mm -hmm. It's just been since the 2000s that there's been sitcoms with Asian-Americans, I believe. And I mean, there was the that one all American girl where she was like Korean American, but they like, you know, they had to make it more palatable to white gays. So that changed everything. And it's like, you know, every time people see you, everybody's asking you, where are you from? And you're like, I'm from Des Moines. Like, where are you from? (laughs) There, There are people like there are Asian Americans who are here in this country who have been here longer than you know, Ma's your side of the family, and where are you ever asked, like, where are you from? I, it's just got to be incredibly 
irritating and infuriating. And then when people kill you and harass you for no apparent reason, it's not a hate crime. It's some kid had a bad day. Yeah, exactly. and they changed her last name because her last name was a Hispanic last name. They changed it to her mother's maiden name. Her mother Irish. was Irish. So and that's why they, and her hair color, her, she had black hair and they were like, we have to get rid of that disgusting black hair. And so that's when she went with the Auburn. Cause that's more Irish, which is hilarious because at one point in this country, Irish need not apply. Right. Yeah. <laughs> funny when your numbers start dwindling who you let into the club (laughs) but i was looking at the at the picture of her hairline before and it wasn't just the top of her hairline it was it was like at her temples too how tender that skin is there and that they were doing electrolysis there wow yeah but then you also look at the abuse that she suffered her whole life yeah i'm sure that was nothing and that's so true. it's like, that's oh, true. yeah, that's fine. It's, it's very sad. Uh, we are to nerd alerts. Okay. So this movie came out in 1946. Just give some context. World War II officially came to an end September 2nd, 1945. Okay. Um, this, in 1946, was the first, the United Nations held their first meeting. Um, in 1946, Project Diana happened, and that was when they ba- Project Diana bounces radar waves off the moon, measuring the exact distance between the Earth and the moon, and proves that communication is possible between Earth and outer space, effectively opening the space age. Wow. Wow. So in 1946, they had to do this project, like, well, can we communicate if we send people up there? Huh. Um, Winston Churchill gave a famous talk about the quote, the Iron Curtain, and then mm. how that whole became a thing. Um, Ho Chi Minh signs agreement with France, in which France recognizes Vietnam as an autonomous state in the Indo Chinese Federation and the French Union. What could go wrong? What could go wrong there? Um, and. Well, it's not the final one, but the last WRA, which stood for War Relocation Authority Concentration Camp, was closed in the United States in March 1946. More than 112,000 Japanese Americans living on the West Coast were forced into interior camps um, because the United States was worried like, oh, obviously, if you're Japan and we're at war with Japan, you're going to be a spy for Japan. So we need to round up everyone in California was denied, defined as anyone with one sixteenth or more of Japanese lineage sufficient to be interned. Um, but then other people were like, no, nah, you got one drop. You're going in. What does that sound like? We so <laughs> all these people were like, I have been here for forever. I want to fight. They got rounded up and put into camps in the interior um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he's the one that ordered it. 1942 came from the top. So all those people were rounded up. It wasn't until the Supreme Court of the United States, they said that um, citizens that 
the military, it's legal for the military to evict American citizens for necessity. That was fine. They could be like, you have to get out. This is military. You have to get out. But it was illegal for them to incarcerate American citizens. So it wasn't like you're to this day, you know, the military has the power to evict you. It was just that they couldn't hold them in the camps. That was what the Supreme Court declared illegal. But they didn't declare that illegal until December 1944. So basically when the war was winding down. And I would also like to point out uh, they didn't round up the Germans. They didn't round up the Italians. It was, it was just, it's just very it's when there's a when there's a visual, yeah. <laughs> when you can visually say you out of here are not white, <laughs> and that's the power of caste. So, um, of they said it was only around ten people were ever arrested for spying for Japan. Those numbers could be a bit off, but the bottom line is. None of those people had Japanese ancestry. Right. Like no one ever of Japanese ancestry did it ever come out was against um, America. So just super fucked up. Yes. Um, Okay. Also in 1946 in Argentina, Juan Perón was elected president of Argentina. So this is where I did my brief history of like of Argentina. So it's very very fast. But Can Argentina, I sing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina? Not yet. We'll hold we'll hold on that. <laughs> we'll put a pin on it. It was ruled by Spain. Well, it was colonized by Spain, and it was ruled by Spain. They got its independence. In the early 1900s, millions of Europeans moved to Argentina. It oh. really opened up. So same way with, with like how a lot of people were going to the United States in the 1900s. A lot of Europeans were also going down to Argentina in the 1900s. Um, they had a booming economy. Then the Great Depression hit. And then came what's known as, quote, the infamous decade. And that's 1930 to 1943. And it was scandalous political corruptions, monetary mismanagements, and oh. coups. And at one point, Britain was, uh, they were granted... A complete monopoly selling coal to Argentina, and then they also got preferred trading status. So you know the Britons always trying to get their their paws in something, and then British companies could control Argentine's meat price prices, and that was big because Argentina is known for like meat is was is and I I think is, but at one point definitely was its primary export. Great at meats. Beef. Beat. Yeah, exactly. And so the working class people loved Juan Perón because he was all about this is corruption and it's the working people and, and I'm here for you. And he also had an, a wife who was a former actress and her name was Ava, but she was so beloved that she was known as Evita. And she did you know that she died when she was 33? No, she Mm. died really young at 33. And then he ended up losing power in a military coup. And then he came back to be president like some 20 years later. And then I think he was overthrown in another coup. It was was just crazy. So, yeah, Evita, don't cry for me, Argentina. That's based on his wife, Ava Perón. 
And the Oscars for 1946, Best Picture. So the nominees were The Yearling, The Razor's Edge, It's a Wonderful Life, Henry V, and the winner was The Best Years of Our Lives. Oh. And the in North America, the biggest grosses for films were number five, Saratoga Trunk, number four, Blue Skies, number three, The Al Jolson Story, Ouch. number two, Duel in the Sun, and the number one movie of 1946 was The Best Years of Our Lives, which is about GIs returning home from the war, so it kind of does oh, make sense. Yeah. Okay. And those were my nerd alerts. Outstanding. Christine, did you have any nerd alerts? I did not. Nor did I. So we are to our negative reheatables. You know, I had a lot more positive than negative. I did too. Um, well, it's not really a negative reheatable of the movie, but of Rita's life. Her, She had a really rough life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, that that um, Johnny wanted to go up and, and hit her, you know, like, I, I just wanted to go and slap her. Ooh, I have more on that later, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, it was a quickie marriage. Wasn't it uh, Balin's second quickie marriage? Somebody's know. second Ballin quickie was... It might have been Rita uh, Gilda's Gilda. second quickie marriage. I Maybe don't... it was hers. Others? Um, I had bathroom attendants, and, like, they might have been great then, but I hate when I go somewhere and there's a bathroom attendant now, because if there's one place that I don't want to tip, it's when I go to the bathroom. And, like, I get it if you're rich, but, like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, when you go, I don't know, it's just, like, and it's never, like, it's, I feel like it's always in places where I don't expect there to be a bathroom attendant, right. and, like... I don't want to take the paper towel from you. Like, I'll get my own. Like, it makes me uncomfortable to for them to be there. Exactly. And are, we even, are we even, like, exchanging cash anymore in the COVID era? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Then, like, well, yes, we are. But um, <laughs> even before then, I don't have cash on me very often. Right. So then I feel, then I feel bad because then, like, they're forcing you to take the paper towel from them. I don't know. And what's and the proper amount? What, what is the proper Nobody teaches you that. Exactly. Yeah, and it, and I and I also what ten percent of my poop? Yes. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> what a job! Oh man. Yeah. It's um, yeah. We used to have them in Germany time. a lot. You know, it would happen like at the at the when I was younger when I'll go to the clubs. And yeah, then, and well, that's how I know like I'm in, a, in the wrong place now. For yeah, sure. it's not even a club. It was more of a glorified bar, like a big bar with a dance floor. Like it wasn't like swanky, nice thing. Right. And you go in and you see this person, and you're just confronted with classism and all of this, and you're like, I don't have cash. Yeah. And I, oh. I'm in your class. Truth be told. Yeah. So. Yeah, agreed. Gilda as a name. <laughs> I'm just not 100% on board. Yeah. But what about her, her mom? In real life, Rita Hayward's mom was Volga. Well, that's in the same. Okay. You know, you know, there's just some names where you just look down at a little baby and you think Volga. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then I wrote boring casinos because although I love the casinos, I mean, how much better have they been made with slot machines and, you know, like all the lights and the oxygen. And so like casinos of the 1940s, I'm sure were great, but I'm glad that they have become what they are now. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to wear Spanx. No, no, but you can. Mm -hmm. You can if you want to. Wow. If you want. That's good. All right, mine. We get it. His name is Johnny. All the time with the Johnny. 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 Yeah. Like, okay. Um, I also, okay, this is when I was like, is this a Nazi casino? What's the deal? Why did I think that? So it wasn't, I wasn't tripping. Yes, a lot of Nazis fled. Uh, prosecution of war crimes to South America. Right. And it not or I uh, I don't know what the right word is, but the most went to Argentina. Argentina took on the most Nazi war criminals in South America. Mm -hmm. So um, Juan Juan Perón of the people this is, you know, I don't want to say it. like the United States is not clean in this as well. No, right? no, you know, no. we poached a lot of the scientists, but Juan Perón poached the officers like, oh, you're a military officer. Yes. Come right this way. Yes. Oh, you're a military officer. Right this way. Right this way. Right this way. So I think like Eichmann, like somebody that was super high up Nazi war criminal. He was found living in Buenos Aires and arrested. And so I'm like, oh, that's why when I heard German and not in Argentina, I automatically made the the connection that this was Nazis. So yes. it wasn't just me. It was just history. It was how history played out. Um, when, then they said, like, you're a beautiful child, Gilda. I think Balin says that no. to her. And then and then later on, I found out her backstory but even in the context of it i'm like well she manipulated her way into this whole situation anyway how are just very just the patronizingness of it apparently ballin was the head of a tungsten cartel yes i don't think is it, it makes sense in when you look up what tungsten is and what it was used for that it would be but it's just funny to me how that's the mcguffin that it's a tungsten cartel what is deep. tungsten? I didn't tungsten, look it up. It's like used in in light bulbs and filaments. It's very, it's it's a kind of element. It has a very high melting point, uh, so it's used in a lot of electronics and stuff. Oh, okay. So it does make, but it's just hilarious to read I know. tungsten cartel. You're like, okay, sexy. Um, the domestic violence. That's mm -hmm. just yeah. that just never ages well. And then finally at the end with what all happens and how Ballin ends up going out, I'm like, Jack McCoy, assistant district attorney of law and order, would have definitely prosecuted Uncle Pio. Like <laughs> the just I guess I guess this is this is how Argentina ended up going Argentina ways. So Yeah. Those are my negative reheatables. Well, we are two positive reheatables. 
Well, go ahead. Um, roulette was the first thing I wrote down. Mm-hmm. Followed by casinos in general. Can't mm-hmm. wait to be. I cannot wait to be back in one. Oh my god! We saw this video the other day of these two drunk guys waiting on an ele- elevator in Las Vegas, and just like they were having so much fun and like dancing and drunk and oh, I can't wait. Her the first hair flip. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was so iconic at first, but I see now. Yes. Yeah. Um, their bedroom they had a nice bedroom i mean yeah. honestly the whole place where they were living wherever she and balan were living at that mm-hmm. grand staircase like yes. very nice um the shots with balan's shadows mm. were you his, like silhouette i enjoyed mm-hmm. very much and then i wrote little friend um because i was wondering if that started say hello to my little friend but then i couldn't find anything about it um so i'm just oh. gonna go with that's that he started that yeah I mean, how, yeah Hmm. i like i had carnival oh, oh yeah. yeah that seemed like a fun party yeah because in germany it was called fashing mm-hmm. and it was just just fun and you know uh, what i was thinking about especially at that time like i'm sure you had things you brought with you but you didn't have like a cell phone weighing you down like you could really just leave the house with nothing you didn't exactly need that. exactly mm-hmm. especially when you have an internal network of people who are going to help take care of you um the beer steins in the background yeah that's when I went, okay, he's he's a full on Nazi. All those beers. <laughs> he could have he but he could have left or he could have left Germany because he wanted didn't want to be Nazi. He was like, I'm a German, but I'm not a Nazi. I'm not saying that that's very likely. I'm just saying it's possible. He so carried himself like an As a Nazi officer. Yes, he did. Uh, Rita's dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did start out mm-hmm. as a dancer and she was really good. Um, uh, just the production, the the production value, the, the casino and the lighting of it and the, that it looked so glamorous. Um, she had peep toe pumps on once. Oh, when she was singing, put the blame on Mame. And um yeah, I have the casino decor. Mm, nice. I have the opening shot with it's it's the dice, but the camera is down low and the mm-hmm. dice come to you and it elevates it up. I was like, whoa, what is this? This mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, the blade cane or the knife cane, aka yeah. little friend. Like that's pretty <laughs> oh, cool. Come on. Uh, the Vegas vibes. I miss that as well. Uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the only thing that I've missed. I'm an introvert, so this has been. I've been hand. I've been just fine, everyone. But I do miss the what is it? Twice a year excursions out to Vegas. At least that that has bummed me yeah. out. That. Um. How bub? Con people bub a bub. Yeah. Hey bub. Bub, uh, I love that. Uh, let's bring Bub back. 
I'm sure it has, probably has a racial. I'm sure it does in some way. Past in some way. Um, the look. Okay, so Johnny Farrell, which I LOL'd when they said his name Farrell, because I'm like, oh, he's like a feral man. He's untamed and wild. Okay, I get it, writers. So clever. But when he gets taken up and there's the two guys. And he tries, he knows that he's outnumbered, outmanned, but he tries to do a move. Yeah. Guy puts his, and then he just gives this look, like, ah, this, just this great look on his face when he knows he's about to get clocked because he's just like, ah, I was outmanned. It made me laugh really hard. Um, and then later on, when there was some gentleman suitor with Gilda, he, he was like, yeah, take a hike, bub. And then he did the slap, slap, punch. I have that punch, punch face. Yeah, it was like slap, slap, punch that I thought was hilarious. I was like, did my brother see this? Because he would think that's hilarious. He did. He thought it was hilarious. He didn't watch any of it until like the last 20 minutes. And then, of course, but, but the slap, slap, punch was just funny because he telegraphs it, too. Yes. And then just does it real fast. It's like, OK. And then, yes, I'm surprised that. In 2021, Rita Hayworth's legacy isn't dancer. Because right. apparently Fred Astaire even said that, that that was his favorite dance partner was Rita Hayworth. Her father was a famous dancer. Her uncle was a famous dancer, taught her to dance at three years old. She grew up just knowing how to dance and was a fantastic dancer and so it's just funny to me. And she dances in a lot of movies that when we hear Rita Hayworth, her lasting legacy is as the bombshell love goddess and not as a dancer. She was a fantastic dancer. Yes. I had no idea. And I'm going to take back what I said about being mad that a male choreographed her thing, mm-hmm. her striptease. But because I'm reading more about Jack Cole and he really seems like a good, like a really great dancer. Oh, good. Okay. He's very influential and, um, and he has his own technique called the Cole technique with the basis of what American theatrical jazz dance is today. And he had a great ability to choreograph both men and women. And he oh. was notable for mentioning to, for saying, I want you boys to dance like girls and I want you girls to dance like men. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he really kind of seems pretty fascinating. Yeah. I'm sorry to Jack Cole. My apologies. But at first sight? Yeah. Yeah. We can come back and correct ourselves. Yeah, we're allowed to. And and you know what, Jack Cole? Welcome welcome to the world. That's what happens to women all the time. So... (laughs) Also, I have another negative reheatable I forgot. Mm -hmm. Um, She had to wear like a corset because she had just a few months before given birth to her daughter. Oh, to Rebecca? Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, she, because she had to have that slim waistline to be va-va-va-voom. But still, I think it's one of those things where I, don't, I bet she didn't even need it. Because when you no. see the pictures where she's like, oh, she was really fat and you look at her. Yeah. Like, no, she wasn't. That's like me looking at pictures when I was young and going, oh, I thought I was fat then. Yeah, that's <laughs> Little did I know. Like, we've all been gaslit by 
by Hollywood, by these films, by all of this magic that goes on. But when you look at Gilda, know that that's not her real hairline. She had her teeth removed to give her cheekbones. And um, she was horribly abused by her father, which made her have weird boundaries that allowed people to manipulate and fashion her into what they wanted her to be. And then sold that to a bunch of GIs who are over fighting a war, which has to be completely mind blowing. And yet this is a picture of this beautiful woman and it gets stuck into their head because it's the one thing that they need hold on to to live through the ghastliness of war and then they come back and that's what they want and it's just everybody gets fucked over exactly because their fiance or girlfriend from before the war is plain jane and she's perfectly wonderful but she doesn't look like i remember the picture the pinup picture of rita hayworth is her back with um nylon stockings with the seam going all the way up and her just looking over her shoulder with that mane of hair. Come on. I mean, okay. Unrealistic. Again, with the unrealistic expectations. We are now to quotables and there were so many. I think you already did most of mine, but... Yeah, because there's so many. That's the thing. Five minutes into this, I was like, I can't keep up. I can't keep up. But you said I usually made my own luck. I also had, don't buy your way out of this, bub. You're in trouble. I also Mm -hmm. liked that they called them bub. Yeah. And then, should we have a drink before I start to cry? Great. Yes. Every every night when I come home. (laughs) (laughs) Do you even need to ask? (laughs) I have this is this is Gilda saying if I'd been a ranch they would have named me the bar nun. Ooh. Ouch. She had a lot of great lines with mm-hmm. like just going out with all these different men. Oh, this is an Aaron quote for you. Mm-hmm. The world's a pretty big place made up of stupid people. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm trying to be better about that. But but then people just go and do things and I'm like, it's it's not me. It's it can't all be me. I know some of it is me, but it can't all be me. (laughs) Like the amount of times that I do the I guess what's been called like referred to as the office look just by myself here when I'm working and I just look off to an imaginary camera. Like, are you kidding me? And it's just me doing it. I have started the office. I have. Yeah. You guys told me to watch it. I'm I'm going to start. That's so good. Is that it for you? Um, I have more, but you do yours and then I'll see if I have any left after you. Okay, I have, when he's referring to his little friend, (laughs) silent when I wish to be silent, talks when I wish to talk. Ooh, Mm -hmm. so German. And then when he said, I think all of mine are the German guy's quotes. What does that say? Oh, and he's like, gambling and women do not mix. And I was like, how dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? Um... 
Well, you already said this, but it was just so on the nose for a German man in the 40s. Like, this is why we said he's a Nazi, even though we have no proof of it. How hate is the only thing that ever has ever warmed me. Yes. Ouch. That is not going to age well, my guy. And then he and then he doubles down on it and says, hate can be a very exciting emotion. Very exciting. Haven't you noticed that? Yikes. And then my last quote, um, I'll say because it's not from the movie, it's actually from Rita Hayworth. Mm. Okay, well, I have, it never does any good to run away, Gilda. Johnny, I'll tell you what. <laughs> and then I'm Uncle gonna... Gio says, excuse me, sometimes it does. <laughs> <laughs> True. Johnny, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do exactly what I please when I please. Hear that, Johnny? 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 That was us during quarantine. <laughs> we have, like, being at home, like, going to bed. What time we go to bed? I mean, other than, like, leaving the house, but just what we do inside of our house. <laughs> exactly. And then Johnny says to Balin, I taught her everything she knows, Balin. Does that satisfy you? They had such Balin had Balin and Johnny. I think it had more tension, more sexual tension than Gilda and Johnny and Gilda and Balin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you wouldn't think one woman could marry two insane men in one lifetime, would you? And then I read about your. I read Gilda or listened to Gilda or Gilda Rita Hayward's uh, life and was like, Gilda, yeah, Rita. yeah. There were lots of um, yeah. similarities. Okay, Aaron. Well, then, so then that's what makes this real life Rita Hayward quote interesting. She said, "They fell in love with Gilda and woke up with me." Ooh, I know. Yeah. And just to see that in their eyes. But then also just because I don't know if or when Rita Hayworth ever was in therapy. But you just know, like, that's just. Yeah. You know, I would think the studio heads wouldn't want her in therapy because they want to be able to mold her however they want to. Oh, of course, because they were all manipulative. Like that Harry Cohn guy was super manipulative, oh, yeah. super creepy towards her. She was just with a whole bunch of creepiness. And then the the fact that her it wasn't like this was a secret, like what her dad was doing to her was a secret from her mother. Her yes. mother knew. But then her mother is in this position where. It's very hard not to judge somebody, but we don't know what her mom's yeah. thinking was. And, and this yeah. and like it, it's not like that's the, the part of the misogyny that, you know, also runs of why, you know, it should be a hate crime just if women are just killed. I mean, really, every murder should be a hate crime unless there's different circumstances but just the whole like misogyny of it because in those times the 30s it's the depression right what, what is the she's mom no she's not gonna get a job it's not like the mom could take rita and go and get a little one-bedroom apartment and get a job 
it's just very easy for us to say she knew she should have left and protected her kids at any cost. And I know that there are women who would have done that, but there's also, we don't know what her situation was. And yeah, you know, you just have to be like, it just sucked. And it's put this woman on this, like that just, like that kind of thing recircuits your entire brain and how you process everything. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. Um, everybody done with their quotables? Mm-hmm. Yes. So we are to LVP. Okay. Mm. Mine was this was kind of a metaphor for her life. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Kind, yeah. I already kind of talked about mine. Just I didn't like, I didn't buy it that in the end she would have actually been like oh look at me trusting a man again Mm -hmm. like not knowing what's coming like she was always in the beginning it always made it seem like she's one step ahead and like exactly i agree with you i think she knew exactly where she was going when she married balan and Mm -hmm. she knew who was there and i just didn't like that that's where we how we ended the movie i was like that's kind of weird i don't get it Mm-hmm. So I'm of the opinion that they didn't, even though this was a quote unquote happy ending, that they didn't end up together. I just don't think that those two ended up together. No, I don't either. It's like, the, well, John- I don't know. Maybe I do. Know. I mean, they wanted us to think they did, but I don't think they would have. Yeah. And even if they did, it wouldn't have been a happy ending. No. Because mm-hmm. they, they, there was too much. She would throw too much. I mean, verbal assault is one. They were verbally assaulting each other all yeah, the time. Oh, yeah, toxic. They were just a toxic. They and they had had too much toxicity in their past. For and neither one of them is of the inclined. Where like, oh, why don't we go talk to a specialist? Like, yeah. why don't we go to the counseling together and work out yeah. our differences? No. Neither one of them are doing that. No, no, no. Your okay. LVP, Aaron. My LVP, well, I have an honorable mention. My honorable mention is the little man who was getting his, oh. he, he was putting on black and then they told him then he got cut off mm-hmm. and then there was a whole thing and they misread him because, of course, they just were like, oh, he doesn't matter. It's fine. And then he ends up uh, trying to take, take Balin out the game and then he ends up having to take him. He yeah himself out the game so yeah. i just felt bad for him because then when you when you hear about it in the in the tungsten cartel he was just like well we were all getting what we wanted but if if i stop now then that's gonna make the whole that business go out of business and it just wasn't very sexy cartel uh language and stuff but just because cartel funny. language is usually so sexy but it's usually it's usually very sexy it's very it's usually a lot of sniffing going on you know a lot of like miami vice uh, collars and and shirts rolled up and pastels that's just what i think when i think cartels but the tungsten cartel is just yeah. not very sexy yeah yeah. Just a whole bunch of people just trying to, to get by in Argentina. But my real MV, my real LVP, because I watched some videos on the brief history of Argentina. Um, it's the people of Argentina. Guys, after oh. this, after 1946, they were in for some rough times. True, they got Maradona, great athlete. 
But um, it did not like Argentina was always in uh, political upheaval. There was a junta. There was uh, the disappeared, which I think that happened in maybe the late 70s, early 80s, where thousands upon thousands of people just disappeared and they never found them. And they kind of think that they were all put into not all, but like um, they were able to get rid of them by putting dissidents and people that they didn't like what they were saying, like college kids and stuff into planes and then just put the plane out in the ocean. Oh my God. I remember in college, my professor, what? Yeah, he showed us this movie from Argentina of the time that was about the disappeared. And then there was this band that was called Los Desapiteros. It was like in Spanish, like the disappeared. And that had that was like in Argentina. They were called the disappeared. And there was thousands of people who disappeared. How did I not know this? Because it's an adult. It's history and it's history, not of Americans. So we're just very blindsided to our own fucked up history. And we don't realize when like fucked up history happens in other places. So Whoa. yeah, it put you know the- that could be a new podcast. Fucked up history. <laughs> fucked up history. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So, now that, that was like, oh, you know, that and means then- LVP. <laughs> okay, so now we're to MVP. Yes. Yeah. I have the set decoration. I love the set decoration. Nice. That's nice. And I have. Here. I have. Uh, yeah. I have her strapless black dress for not falling down during the final put the blame on main number. So then I learned that it has its own Wikipedia page. Wow. And inside of, um, so let's see, it was inspired by Portrait of Madame X. Oh, who was the designer? Who was the designer? I don't know. Jean, Le- Jean, Jean Louis. Louis. Yeah. Jean Louis. Or he, it could be Louis. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but he also designed the gown worn by Marilyn Monroe when she sang Happy Birthday to John F. Kennedy. Wow. And Inside, there was a harness like you put on a horse. This is from him. Then we molded plastic softened. Oh, then we molded plastic that had been softened over a gas flame and shaped it around the top of the dress. But that's how it didn't fall down. Because I at first I just wrote MVP was the dress for not falling down mm-hmm. when she was dancing like that. Um, it has its own Wikipedia page and is one of the top 10 best fashion moments in film ever it's great uh, i heard it was it was inspired by a john singer sergeant painting in the metropolitan museum mm-hmm. called, uh, called portrait of madame x yeah yes. portrait of madame x Ooh. and they originally like it was uh who oh who was a famous socialite in paris um and originally it was going to be sold at an auction, but then it was like pulled last minute. But then it like showed up on eBay for as a listing on eBay for $30,000 in like 2009 or something. I don't know if it's sold. Well, her other, well, I get into a tasty nuggets, but yeah, I believe it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
my MVP honorable mention is that intro scene iconic the gilda the pop up mm-hmm. the ah. if, <laughs> can you imagine just people going around now like when we're out able to be around <laughs> if that became a thing of people doing the gilda <laughs> you're at a bar oh hello however it can give you a headache because yeah. when i just did it a minute ago uh, yeah it was well, you were doing it on well on saturday and i was like my you're gonna hurt your neck stop but my real mvp is uncle pio because he i loved him he came through he came through and also my favorite scene of uncle pio is when he lays it out because he's the whole time he's giving johnny farrell he's saying he's a peasant he's a peasant when he first walks in he says he's a peasant and then when he you know johnny farrell rises to the ranks and he's basically running the casino and he's like it still bothers him because uncle pio's like yeah well you may be running this but you're still a peasant and it bothers Johnny Farrell because he, he's that guy that has that chip on his shoulder of, like, he came from nothing, so he wants to be something. And then there's that great scene where Rita or Gilda is at the bar with another gentleman who isn't her husband. Mm-hmm. And then there's something else going on with Ballin. And Uncle Pio is like, well, now we get to see if you really are who I say you are. Right. A peasant or a gentleman. Yeah, because he told him like, well, you know, your girl's with this. Not he doesn't even say your girl, although Pio clocked this from the beginning that he knew that there was going to be. He's like, oh, these two Americans. But he was like, here's the situation. You have one of those. What are you going to choose? And of course, Johnny Farrell goes to check up on his real love, Ballin. And Pio said, oh, well, now we know that you are who I say you are, meaning you're a peasant, peasant. not a gentleman. Right. And I was like, damn, Uncle Pio. And then I liked it when I found out more about how he got beaten up because he was doing Mussolini and Hitler impersonations in uh, France. So I was like, yeah, Uncle Pio, MVP. I loved Uncle Pio as well. We are two recasting. I just have one I have three. What? I do. I just kept thinking about it. Wow. I'm going to save my biggest one for last. Okay. So I have a reverse gender cast. (laughs) It's the man that's doing the Gilda. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my ballin, you know, head of the cartel, Queen Latifah. Okay. Oh, okay. And my Gilda, Anthony Ramos. <laughs> oh, come on. He's yeah. adorable. The original Philip Sky, uh, Philip uh, Hamilton and um was he Lafayette? No, he wasn't Lafayette. No, he was uh, he, uh John Larens. So yeah. the relationship with so to that, Queen Latifah, the Johnny, is Journey Smollett. Oh, yeah, I could see that. That's kind That's of fun. That's really funny, though. I know. Okay. So my, uh, another one, mm-hmm. my Gilda, because I kept thinking, who would be the la va va today? And I couldn't think of anybody. You know, who would be the Julia Roberts of today? Who would be... Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Now, her ballin, Tom Hardy. Yeah, he would be a good ballin. It would be very intense. Very, it would very, be very intense. All right, who's Johnny? Okay, I have a choice. I have a choice for you. My first one was Leonardo DiCaprio. It's John. He's kind of old now, though. So I went with. Kit Harrington. <gasps> yeah. That oh was... my God. I could see that. That would be pretty good. That's pretty good, Ma. Yeah, I like that one. But my original one, I mean, re- uh, Gilda is Beyonce. Mm. Yeah. Balin is Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny is John David Washington. But wait, I have I have Uncle Pio, Wanda Sykes. <laughs> I, love, I love Uncle Pio as Wanda Sykes. That's great. Okay, those are my three. I just had the one. I have for Ballin Alexander Skarsgård. I thought of him as well. Mm-hmm. As Johnny, because when I saw Glenn Ford, I instantly was like. That looks like E from Entourage. And so I think that guy is named oh, yeah. Kevin Conley. Yeah. So I have him as Johnny. And then for my Gilda, again, it is, it's really hard to, to come up with. I think that who the bombshells are now, like we don't know about because they're on their influencers, their Instagram models, yeah, yeah. you know, like people. Yeah. But... <laughs> or maybe not. I, I was know. just thinking they're all like twelve. Oh. Well, like twenty. I don't know. I think yeah. we have a different idea of what a bombshell. Like now, it's like a movie star. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But we don't really. Have I think now it's star. like that. But the idea of being a movie star now is like being normal and like relatable more. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um. But I went with. Zendaya. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's supposed to the first the first time the the camera sees her is supposed to be whoa. But then she's also really great actress Mm -hmm. where she could play all of those notes of like the anger and like the betrayal and the turning it around mm-hmm. and I feel like the ending would have been more smoothed out because she would have been like no I'm, I'm doing it like this mm-hmm. so okay I will go with that so we are to tasty nuggets hmm. um, I think I did mine I really didn't have a lot I just uh did the costume designer tidbit. Yes. Yes. That first dress she wears. Ugh, love it. Okay. Erin? Um, so this was filmed. It started filming on September 4th, 1945. So right after the end of the war. And it wrapped filming December 10th, 1945. Um. This is considered to be a film noir, although when the film came out, 
film noir hadn't been created yet. Really? I didn't know that. Well, film noir is a French term. And so it was kind of interesting reading about this because during the war, the French didn't get to see a lot of the American Hollywood films that came out. So they had last left off with, you know, like these heartwarming, touching sort of Frank Capra stories, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. a wonderful life. And then they didn't see any American films. And then once the war ended, they got all of these films that like had come out over the course of the year. But if you see them all in one shot, you're like, what's going on in America? So those were like the killers. I think the postman always rings twice, like these kinds of things. And so when the French were able to watch it all in one shot, that's when they came up with the term film noir. Um, And then this was atypical for a quote-unquote film noir film because it had an atypical happy ending. But as we already stated, like, we don't think that they stayed together. It's not going to be happy. Um, She's, Gilda's kind of referred to this in some places as a film fatale, which literally means lethal woman, um, sometimes called a man-eater or a vamp. It's a stock character of a mysterious, beautiful, and seductive woman whose charms ensnare her lovers. Um, Or a harpy, as Uncle Pio said. Yeah, exactly. So it was just interesting that because I didn't take her to be a femme fatale. But then in all of the, you know, the readings and stuff more about like Asian American women and how they're depicted in society and stuff, you kind of realize that, oh, how many times that they're cast as a femme fatale. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I put it in there, because I was like, oh, that is very interesting. Um, And and so somebody said that it's uh, a stock character... You know, they ensnare their lovers, often leading them into compromising deadly traps. But Gilda isn't just a pawn. Gilda is trapped by men who desire her, use her, punish her. And that was from The Long Shadow of Gilda by Sheila O'Malley, which was an article I read. Mm. And then that kind of tied into what you were saying, Ma, about how much it mirrored Rita Hayward's real life. Because men just used her, punished her, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the guy that played Ballin, actor George McCready, his facial scar was real. When he was in college, he went through the windshield of a Model T when it skidded on ice and hit a telephone pole. He was stitched up by a veterinarian and caught scarlet fever. Oh, wow. By a veterinarian? Yeah. It was kind of probably one of those things where it's the Model T... No I shouldn't say that. I'm sure things. veterinarians give just as good sutures. Yeah, but I, but it wasn't like today if that happens. I mean, in the 40s, I don't know. Right, yeah. you'd call in a plastic surgeon. Yeah, he's, that's getting sewn up by a plastic surgeon to leave as small a scar as possible. But with like all the makeup, it was like you could see it, but it wasn't like, oh my God, hatchet face. No, yeah. Like there was one time when you saw it, it was like it was meant to be seen then. Mm-hmm. And it it really aided in his career as playing because he had you know, he could have perfect diction and so he often played these sort of villainous roles. Um, Plus, he looked like a Nazi. Yeah, and but then it was like, man, then he caught scarlet fever, survived that. So yeah. I hope it was a good night. Your brother had scarlet fever. It's all good. What? Yeah. 
one time he had, because, you know, you guys were always getting ear infections. And one time we didn't catch it and it went into scarlet fever. Oh my God. And I said, I said to the doctor, you mean like Mary on little house on the prairie went blind. He said, we've got it. We've got it. It's a, it's yeah. Yeah, he did. He went into scarlet fever. And I was around him. (laughs) Unbelievable. I could have caught it myself. Um, <laughs> Canadian singer Anita Ellis dubbed the singing yes. voice of Rita Hayworth. It, this says in all the songs except the acoustic guitar version of Put the Blame on Maine, which says Hayworth sang herself. But then I found contradictory information saying that that also wasn't Rita Hayworth, that she had actually practiced and was very disappointed that her real singing voice was never used. So... I uh, uh, my research said she did the singing voice, but then they dubbed it in. They dubbed the other woman's in on the film. And she probably sounded good. But, you know, Harry Cohn was always trying to get at Rita Hayworth. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want anything to do with you. And so he probably did that out of spite. That's my Uh story. Um, this was screened at the very first Cannes Film Festival. Wow. Outstanding. Um, when this was released, the fourth atomic bomb ever had mm-hmm. a picture of Rita Hayworth on it and Gilda stitched, stenciled on the atomic bomb. The, you know, the GIs, her picture is what they kept them going during the war. So they meant it as a compliment, saying like, yeah, the bombshell, put it on the bomb. Yeah. Rita Hayworth was like pissed. Yes. My, my my image is gonna go kill people yeah and and who even know i mean we're talking so the bombs already dropped on nagasaki and hiroshima mm-hmm. but like how much of that devastation was it's not like like today we have the internet we have tweets we can see her, her horrible things you know they didn't have any of those kinds of things so she was already pissed at that, just knowing what had happened. And I guarantee that she probably didn't even know the full extent of what those bombs right. inflicted on people. And to be like, I don't, what, what are you doing? Yeah, how awful. Um, her Amado Mio outfit, I think yes. it was the white outfit, that was auctioned in 2014. For a hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. Yeah, I think it was the black, like cowgirl one. For the for the ball for the uh um, not fashion but um, carnival. Oh, yeah, I think oh, it was that, that one. one. Well, mm-hmm. she had like the white one was still fantastic. I know, she I love the white one. Um, U.S. Critics were lukewarm of this film, but the French, because they were seeing a whole bunch of uh, the American movies that came over, they saw something different, so they really liked it. And in The Shawshank Redemption, it's her pinup that he uses to hide his escape. Mm-hmm. And then when she slapped Glenn Ford, she broke two of his teeth when she slapped him, and he just held them into place until the scene was over. Yes. So those are my tasty nuggets. 
this was an enormous financial success. And her agent wanted her to get a share of the profits. And Harry Cohen's going, that was the director, right? Harry Cohen? No, Harry Cohen was the guy that ran Columbia Pictures. Okay, so. So he's he's known as being a hard ass and a jerk, but he also saw like Virginia, what was her name? Von Up. And how good she was and promoted her to a position that no woman had ever done. Right. So it's right. Thing of like where you, there can be people who are absolutely, totally despicable people who. And still do some decent things. Yeah, but he didn't. That's how good Virginia was. Like he wasn't going to do her any favor. Like she was so good. It was undeniable. Like, oh, you're going to make us a lot of money because you know what you're doing. Kind of thing. Well. Her agent wanted her to get some of the share of the profits, and they were like, no. So the next film she was doing, um, she was sick for a couple days, and finally they went, okay, okay, okay. From now on, every film you do, you get a share of the profits. And she formed the Buckworth Corporation. She got 25% of the net profits of all of her remaining films with Columbia. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what um, Larry Hagman, during I Dream of Genie Time, they were after those residuals, you know? Mm-hmm. like that's where you make the money. Yeah. You're showing this, and we should get a profit of it. So, I mean, that was in... Late 60s. The 60s, yeah. yeah. So at this time, yeah, she got 25%. Um, they said that much like Days of Thunder, uh, this film did not have a script, like the script kept changing, which uh, is why it doesn't really make sense if you try to follow the script because every day they got okay. new rewrites. Okay. Well, I'm glad it, there was a reason. Yes. Yeah, because I thought it was very interesting how they just finessed that she comes back and she's also the woman that broke Johnny's heart, but did she know that? Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot there. It was uh, a lot of like, we got Rita Hayworth, the GIs are coming home. That's all we need. Exactly. We need to something. Exactly. Tom Cruise wants to ride it on a motorcycle. Got yeah. it. They wanted Humphrey Bogart to play Johnny Farrell, but he went, oh. uh, no, everybody's going to be looking at Rita. Nobody's going to be looking at me. But wait, did they, did he say that? Or was he already with Lauren Bacall? And Lauren Bacall was like, mm, very possibly. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I didn't look up the dates or anything. I just wonder if Bacall was like, yeah, I think not. But it could have, but they could have gotten together in the 50s. So maybe it was later. Yeah, I don't know. Jessica Rabbit was inspired by Rita Hayworth. Harry Cohen bugged their dressing rooms because they were so sure that Rita and Glenn Ford were having an affair. Oh. Uh, they weren't, but yeah. But then Glenn Ford's son said that they had an affair for like 40 years and they were neighbors and stuff. 40 years? Yeah, it was like an on again, off again thing. But I, who knows? Who knows? I know that Glenn Ford was a pallbearer at her funeral. Oh, she got Alzheimer's. Yeah, but she had had it for a long time, mm-hmm. and they didn't know. They because, thought 
Yeah, the alcohol. She consumed a lot of alcohol, which they say Alzheimer's <laughs> people tend to do. Yeah, to, uh, to give a reason for their forgetfulness. Yeah. So um, they, they said, but then there are people who are like. <laughs> not, not diagnosed yet. Yeah, but don't worry, I'm on it. I'm, I'm clocky. Like you did what? Why now? Mm-hmm. Um, there were five films that Glenn, For- Glenn Ford and Rita Hayworth were in together. And he, Glenn Ford, was a Marine in World War II. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your service. He was. Well, that is Gilda. I enjoyed it. I did too. I thought it was great. Yeah. That sparkly coat she had on with the all the lights shining off of it and her her fast repartee coming back at I thought she was great in the infamous uh, where she's wearing the black, how she's d- doing the don't blame on MAME and she's drunk and she's just oh, like so out good. there. She was just great. And now that we knew her boobs, her boobs were not going to be exposed. But it, but you, at any moment you were you, like, you kept waiting for that to happen. So I would say it's worth an hour and fifty minutes of your time if yeah. you just want to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're tired of being closed up in your house. You just want a little escape. You know, there's not overt Nazism, so you don't have to feel bad about that. But you do have to feel bad about the caste system and how they changed a Hispanic woman into a yeah very. Yeah. Yeah. Northern European woman. Yeah. Okay, so next week. Okay. Well, we, Aaron, you hit on it before about how there, when you think about Asian American films, there's not a lot starting. So at first I was going you know, that way, because I wanted to pick a film starring an Asian woman. But in America, there's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I we are going to another country. Um, Hope you can find it. I think you can, but I didn't look. So uh, we'll see. We might have to do a change. Audible. I think it's on the prime, though. Utah, um, Utah, Utah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I think a lot of people have heard of the film Parasite. It's not that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're going to 2009. I guess I should give you the chance to guess. 2009. Well, give Aaron the chance. You know, yeah. I don't okay. have a Okay, 2009. South Korea. South Korea. They have had so many movies. Oh, okay. Yep, I'm sure they have. Um, stars a woman. Stars a woman. Same. Same director of Parasite. Oh. Ah. Wow. Two thousand nine and a stars a woman and him and I don't. Oh. Googling. Okay. Um, I'll read you the. A widow resides with her mentally challenged son in a small South Korean town where she she scrapes out of a 
Scrapes out a living selling medicinal herbs. Oh. Um, okay. Mother and son are plunged into a nightmare when a body of a murdered young girl is discovered. Oh my god. Circumstantial evidence indicates the son's involvement, and he becomes a prime suspect during the sloppy police investigation. Betrayed by the legal system, the mother takes the law into her own son into her own hands to clear her son's name. Okay, the name of the movie is Mother. Mother. Kim Haija. Kim Haya. Oh, I'm very excited. Um, I also so I asked. Um, well, what's funny is that the movie poster. Uh, I have to text it to you both because it reminded me. I don't know. I just thought it was a funny one to do with you guys. <laughs> what of you being a mother? Um, and it reminded me of you a little bit. Oh no! God, this. I'm glad I'm not the mother. No. So I just sent you the picture over. Um, look at the text on the. <laughs> I donate my son. Donate my son. I won't oh, stand. I won't. <laughs> yeah, that's mother right there. Oh, she might have a new. She might have a new nickname. I'm very excited because I, I was thinking like, is this the other movie that I saw after Parasite came out? It was one of his older films, and it was also like this detective murder mystery where the guy was trying to solve a crime. But I'm so I'm very much all in on this. This this guy is one of the premier filmmakers. Oh, this looks good, Christine. Yeah. Uh, any mothers out there? Yeah. It came from a recommendation. It came as a recommendation from Steve. Can't say. Can't leave that out. Nasty. He said some people may think it's a little out there, but it's the same director as Parasite, but. Um, Parasite went a little more mainstream, and I never saw Parasite, so I didn't either. Oh, really? No. Oh, yeah. I felt like we were living it. Did we need to watch it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that that was your chord, Dean. So yeah, ninety-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that's a very good scores. Mm-hmm. Yes, I didn't check oh. how long it is. Oh, ouch. Four hours. It's the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Two hours, two hours, eight minutes. Okay. Okay, that's within your range. Adam just watched that Justice League movie. Did he watch? I started Four hours? Yeah, yeah, he started it yesterday, I guess, because I worked. So then, um, also, just so you know, Mac has been just laying on the bed, watching out the window, waiting for him to come back. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and then I went to bed, and he stayed up to watch it. I got up to go to the bathroom at, like, 2 a.m., and he was still up. It held his interest that long. For four hours, a four-hour movie. And the night before, he was like, do you care if I watch it without you? And then I'm so glad he did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying. Unless it's Titanic, I can't sit there for four hours. Yeah, Adam's attention for four hours, it had to be, there had to be something there. It, well, it's like watching four episodes of a show. Really. I guess. 
Sure, which I can do, yeah. no problem. I, I love how you're like a four-hour film. I could never. Meanwhile, I know, I know but I can watch eighteen episodes of The Office in a row. Yeah, because yeah. you get a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes, yeah. Instead of a drawn-out beginning, a way too long middle, and then an end. Yes. So the, from what I've seen, this has a lot of vignettes, so it is more of like. But again, I'm only forty-five <laughs> minutes in till I fell asleep. Oh, okay. But, you know, but hey, I follow. So no we will not be watching that movie next for next. Week. That's right. No matter what you put on, if I go to my side, I'm out. Yes, it doesn't matter how entertaining it is. If it I'm doesn't. On, I end up on my side. To her? Nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'll be here one minute, and the next minute I'm out. That's how it is. And if you ask me, I'll be like, I was awake the whole time. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She I, can I, get the, I get the old man. I just old man sleep. <laughs> Okay, listeners, we hope you enjoyed Gilda. I think it is worth an hour and 50 minutes of your time. But if not, just listen to us. And next week, because Asian lives matter. Yes, those are hate crimes. They are hate crimes and it's wrong. And we are watching Mother. Not not um, Mr. Pence's wife, Mother. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Whoa.